Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 72nd edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys today. Anthony joining me over the phone for today's episode as uh, we're going to recap Carolina's 74-58 to win over Virginia. We're going to take you through the box score. You're going to hear uh, a, a, a quote from Hubert Davis. We're going to give our stat of the game give our general thoughts from today's win. But before we do any of that, as I mentioned, and you can probably tell that I'm a little more happier today than the last time you listened to me talk, guys, Carolina got a big win. 74-258 over the Wahoos. That snapped a seven-game losing streak to Virginia. That's the second longest streak, second longest losing streak for Carolina to Virginia. They lost the first eight matchups overall in the series back in the early 1910s. And that was the second longest losing streak to one team in the ACC era. Carolina did at one point lose 10 straight games back to NC State in the 1970s. Kind of surprised there's not a banner hanging up at Reynolds Coliseum or PNC Arena for that historic feat for the Wolfpack. But Carolina was powered by Armando Baycott. 29 points, 21 rebounds. He's not only the best player on Carolina, he was the best player on the floor. You could make the argument he's the best player right now in the ACC, and he powered the Tar Heels to a much-needed win after Wednesday's night's disappointing defeat up at Notre Dame. And, and buddy, I you know, there's a lot of things that came out of this win. You know, the one of the things is Carolina responded once again to adversity, but this team just looked completely different than the team we saw the other night from the word go on both ends of the court. Jay Billis made it known during the broadcast that their their pace was different on both ends. They were moving, they were cutting, they were active on both on both ends of the court. There was communication, and when Carolina looks the way they look today, you see. Everything that you that we expected to see coming into the season, and that's the type of team that we want to see night in, night out. Because when they play the way they play today, they're an upper echelon team in the ACC and a team that's more than capable in a wide open college basketball of making some legitimate noise, both in the ACC and nationally. 
Right, yeah, today was definitely great. No doubt about it. Loved everything about that performance. And, you know, this is exactly what this team needed in a season where, uh, you know, the ACC isn't great. So you need wins over these teams that are in similar positions to you in that quad two. And you need wins over them convincingly to be able to boost your resume. And this is one of those games that will go a long way for you. The frustrating part is that this team that we saw today, the team that we've seen a few times this year, and we felt really confident about, said, okay, that's the second-best team in the ACC. The way they played today, that's the second-best team in the ACC, and it's not even close. I know Miami, we'll, we'll find out about them a little more tonight. Look, that, that's a team that nobody really wants to see at any time of the season with the way they played on the defensive end of the floor today especially on the offensive end of the floor. But the problem is we just haven't seen that same team game in and game out. It's just an inconsistent team. So, you know, that's the thing. There are going to be some ups and downs, but this is one of those ones where you really have to enjoy this. And I I saw somebody that responded to one of your tweets earlier, I believe. Maybe it was somebody else's tweet, but I think it was one of your tweets. and said, well, you know, they beat a bad Virginia team. Really? team that had started to kind of get things going in the right direction, still a team that's ranked in the top 10 defensively in the country, and Carolina did everything that they could possibly do against this team. The pace was exactly where it needed to be. That was one of the keys coming into this game. We talked about it the other day about, look, you know, this is a team that wants to slow you down. You've got to be able to control the pace of this game, because if you don't, then what's happened to you the last seven times that you've played them is going to happen again. They want to play the slower pace. They want to force you into, um, you know, bad shots and mistakes. And Carolina didn't get forced into those today. Look, were there some tough shots that Carolina made at last year, the year before they probably don't make? Definitely. That's, that's, we've seen that multiple times throughout this season. And, you know, Caleb Love has to be commended. He made a lot of tough shots today, but did a good job of strategically using pace to their advantage. And you know, multiple times throughout the game, and Virginia just had no answers. And then on the defensive end of the floor, that was a group that looked very similar to what you know we saw against. Boston College. And I said Boston College was the best defensive performance that they've had of the season. I think today probably tops that because of the team that you were playing against. I I don't know if it was as perfect, but I think that you were going up against a much better team, a team that definitely wanted this game more than Boston College wanted that game. And you shut them down for the most part, especially in that second half. Carolina was phenomenal in that second half. And that that's, you know, th- again, I, I made the, this comparison a couple of podcasts ago. This is kind of like the C student that shows he can get an A. And now you've shown that multiple times. So we know you, you're capable of this. And, again, we know this isn't going to be every time that you're out there. My thing is, is we've got to see less of a margin between when you're at your best and when you're at your worst. If they can close that gap, with the way that this team continues to play offensively, because even though it, it may not have been 
know, the biggest or, or most successful night on the offensive end in terms of actual scoring output. The score 74 against Virginia, pretty dang good. So, yeah, this is uh, this is one that, that'll make you feel pretty good for a while. And as of right now, this team has a week off. So, this should be a pretty fun week here because they're, uh, the possibilities are going to be running through our head of what this team can actually be. Let's take a look at the box score. Carolina outshot Virginia 47% to 45%. Carolina was 28 of 59 from the field compared to Virginia going 25 of 56. From behind the three-point line, Carolina 11 of 25, 44%. They were led by Brady Manick, who knocked in five threes, and Caleb Love knocked in four. Virginia 6 of 12 from behind the arc. That, of course, goes for 50%. From the foul line, Carolina 7 of 11. That was 64%. Virginia just 2 of 4 from behind the foul line turnovers. Carolina only turned the ball over eight times. That was a big key entering the game. With the game of limited possessions, you got to protect the ball. They did just that. And only one turnover in the second half, so they had eight first-half turnovers. That's a big reason why the game was as close as it was in that first period. Uh, Virginia committed 10 turnovers, so Carolina won the turnover battle. The rebounding battle, Carolina behind Armando Baycott's 21. They out-rebounded Virginia 36-28, to 25-21 on the defensive glass, 11-7 on the offensive glass, which Carolina converted those 11-second uh, offensive rebounds into 14-second chance points. And against Virginia, those 14 points feel like 28. Those are backbreakers for that Virginia defense. Carolina did only allow four second chance points. Virginia's bench did outscore Carolina's 14-8. Both teams were even at points in the paint at 30, but a big thing about that was Virginia entered the game allowing only 14 made two-point baskets. Carolina topped that with just, you know, with, with getting 15 points in the paint. Overall for the game, they made 17 shots inside the three-point line. Fast break points, Carolina got eight of them compared to just five for Virginia. Virginia did have seven blocks compared to just Carolina's three. They outstole Carolina Carolina 5 to 4, but a big part of Carolina's offensive success today, 19 assists on 28 made baskets. Virginia just 10 assists on their 25 made baskets. So Carolina, when the ball moves like it did today and it was going from the inside to the outside from one side of the court from the other, that's when this offense is at its best. That's when it's functioning at its best, and that's what we saw uh, today on the court. Let's move on to our quote of the game, and you'll hear what Hubert Davis had to say about Armando Baycott's historic performance after he met with Jones Angel earlier on the Tar Heel Sports Network. Was, he was fantastic. I, I thought he was he was great on both ends of the floor. And then when I saw the, saw the stat sheet, I saw 29 and 21. Last time I've seen numbers like that have been Bryce Johnson. I remember he had a, a similar game like that against Florida State on the road. But Armando's had a fantastic season. And um, tonight, we needed him to be big. We knew that Virginia was going to double team every throw the ball into the post, but we still encouraged him and told him to be aggressive at posting up. We got him on the move on ball screens, and so we were able to get him slipping towards the goal. He was very active on the uh, offensive boards, and in terms of rebounding, he was he was terrific. 
And there you go, guys. That audio is, of course, courtesy of the Tar Heel Sports Network in conjunction with Learfield. Eber Davis pretty excited about his team after tonight's game. And as you could ex- as you could expect, because they responded again to adversity, they played the way that they're capable of playing the way they need to play game in, game out. And as he said later on in that interview, today was a great example of what Carolina basketball is and should be. Let's move on to our stat of the game. We're going to focus on the rebounds. As a team, Virginia had 28 of them. Not bad. But individually, Armando Baycott, 21. He had 12 offensive rebounds, nine offensive rebounds. And those nine offensive rebounds, the second most since Kennedy Meeks had 10 at a win against Clemson back in 2017. And with him having 29 points and 21 rebounds, just the second Tar Heel ever you have a 2020 game in the Smith Center joining Sean May, who, of course, had that monster game against Duke in the season finale back in 2005. So that dates back all the way back to 1986. Only two Tar Heels have ever had a 2020 game. One of them is assistant coach Sean May and now Armando Baycott. We're going to take a quick break. We'll play you this week's ad from DraftKings. Then we're going to come back, dive in more to Carolina's 74-58 win over Virginia in the Smith Center. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that will make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone is going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TBPN, the Basketball Podcast Network, this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required, only one per customer, restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you over here on the Four Corners side of things. Same for Anthony for you guys over there on the Heel Tough blog side of things. Let's get back into the win over Virginia. And Carolina's two best players were the two best players on the court today. Armando Baycott, as we talked about, those 29 points, those 21 rebounds. He played 38 straight minutes, was efficient from the field, 12 of 18, 5 of 7 from the foul line. Only committed two fouls. That's why he was able to play uh, 38 straight minutes because, of course, Carolina, no Dawson Garcia today, no Kerwin Walsh, so they were still, once again, shorthanded. But he was dominant. But as important and as, as awesome as he was, this game hinged on Caleb Love because these types of games usually do. And when Caleb Love plays like the way he plays today with that energy, that effort, that toughness, when he's engaged, Carolina's at a different level. And today, 16 points, 6 of 13 from the field. 
I mentioned those four three-pointers. He took a couple from way downtown, some that were late in the shot clock where he got isolated and just, had, and, and, and just had to take a shot, and he was tough enough to make it, had three rebounds, had five assists to just one turnover in those 39 minutes. But I thought it was defensively where he was just different today. He was more engaged. His hands were active. He got some steals that got Carolina going in, in – in the open floor in that first half. And, you know, th- this is this is going to be the task for him moving forward. He admitted in the postgame after Notre Dame, I didn't play very hard in the first half, and I had my issues, and I and I and, and I'll just say I was I was critical of him, but I challenged him in leading up to the game that you want to make me feel bad about challenging you, about calling you out, whether it's on my Twitter or, or on this podcast, never make me question your effort again. And there was not a point today where I could consi- could consistently question his effort. Were there a couple of times he could have closed out harder? Sure. But he made up for it because he was doing things that we need him to do because as, as Armando Baycott is this team's best player, this team's going to go as far as he takes them. And he had to take them far today because uh, R.J. Davis – Two points, 0 of 10 from the field. So he didn't have any backcourt help. It was a two-man game for the most part. Man, it gave you 19 points as well. But when he plays the way he plays today, you can see the type of team that that we thought we were going to see at the beginning of the season because everything that Hubert Davis did in terms of changing the philosophy of the way Carolina plays was to get the most out of the guards and specifically him, and you saw that on the court today. Yeah, I mean, he definitely stepped it up from what we saw the other night. And, you know, he hit a couple of big shots in that first half that, you know, kind of helped him because, yeah, there were moments where on the defensive end, he still, you know, kind of looked like he was a little out to lunch at times. But I think that's just part of what you're going to have to deal with with him. I think there's just, you know, times he's, you know, maybe, maybe it's not even an effort thing. Maybe there's just times where he's just, a little bit lost on the defensive end, and that's not his strength. It's the offensive side where he's going to thrive the most. And we, we kind of knew that coming into his career. And, you know, he, he hit a bunch of really big shots for Carolina overall today, some really tough shots, shots that last year he probably doesn't make and shots that were important for Carolina because, yeah, for the majority of this first half and early on in that second half, this was a close basketball game. So, you know, this you need a guy that can step up him. And, and the thing about him is he's starting to become more and more consistent. Even the other night against Notre Dame, it wasn't a great performance from him, but he still had 10 points. So he's starting to become that guy that night in and night out, you can count that on him to get you double-digit scoring. It's just about, you know, is he going to – you know, be able to do it in, a, in an efficient manner. And is he going to be able to help you on the defensive end of the floor? And today, you know, I, I'm with you. I think especially uh, in that second half, he stepped it up and he caused a couple of really big turnovers. So, yeah, that the the effort was, was definitely better today. Um, and it, it, this is a big part of Carolina being able to continue to take steps forward. Is you need those guards to be consistent. R.J. Davis is still struggling with a, with it a little bit, and you know today I think part of it was just that he knew today wasn't really his day. He he allowed some of the other guys uh, to sort of take over the game, and um, you know, but unfortunately when he did have the ball, he was 0 at 10. So that's the guy that still you're looking for that consistency from. Caleb Love's done a better job of that, and 
Hopefully that can rub off on his teammate and his backcourt mate who, you know, when we've seen him him flash and shine, he's looked really, really good. But there are times where he just goes missing, and that's something that uh, – that that's an area where you need him to be a little more like Caleb. Yeah, you know, for RJ, he had a leaky black type of game where he didn't affect the game in the scoring column, but he got five rebounds. He handed out four assists to no turnovers, and he was just active defensively, really did as as good a job as he could do against Amar Franklin. Beekman had a nice game for those guys, but he made them work to get those points. And look, if, if, if you're making the opponent work to get to get their offense you're not going to complain if if they make shots these this is acc players they're going to make tough shots the problem the other night was they never made notre dame uncomfortable virginia was never consistently comfortable they'd have a possession or two where it was they were getting what they wanted but then carolina would re-engage and 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 take them out of what they wanted to do because they were fighting over screens the communication was better and so that was the thing about rj is that He's the one guy, more so than Caleb, that when his offense isn't there, it doesn't affect his defense. And you need that on this team because there are going to be days like today where the ball just simply doesn't go in the basket. Let's talk about Carolina's passing because their offense today was crisp. And I I thought a new new thing that's going to really take me to another level of my basketball horniness is cutting. And Jay Billis was really – adamant about Carolina's cutting today, where it was just multiple times where Virginia, who was doubling every time Carolina screened or when that ball went in the post, the best way to get out of that is to have a guy cut to the basket or cut to get to the ball. And Carolina did that really well today, and it took Virginia out of the double teaming in that second half because they were giving up open shot after open shot. 19 assists on 28 made baskets to just nine turnovers. When Carolina values the ball to that level, this offense goes to another level. And when they're when they're passing and they're scoring off of the off of it when there's when everyone's being unselfish and you're passing up a good shot for a great shot. Eric Montross said after the game that this team was celebrating everyone's success. And I thought that was a really big key because there was a lot of times where a manic or whoever had a good shot, but a teammate had a had a great shot and they gave the ball up. This was the best we've seen Carolina dissect Virginia's offense. You know, I mean, of course, since you go back into the last time they beat Virginia back in 2017. But think about even the times where Carolina's competed hard against Virginia. They just didn't win the game. It was mainly because Carolina played very good defensively because their offense wasn't there. Carolina's offense was there tonight. They made Virginia's defense work. And that's the thing about it. If you make Virginia's defense move from one side of the court to the other, you're going to get good shots. And for a first-time head coach, uh, today, Hubert Davis outcoached Tony Bennett, and that's something we haven't been able to say about Carolina's coaching the last couple of times the teams have met on the court. Yeah, that was something that, especially after he got outcoached the other night by Mike Bray, you were a little bit worried about. Because, look, Mike Bray, heck of a coach, definitely. One of the guys that I think is probably one of the more underrated coaches in all college basketball. But then you're going up against a heavy hitter like Tony Bennett, a guy that you know, here recently it's probably looked at as a top 10 coach in all of college basketball. And, you know, you, you were a little, you had to be a little bit worried about it, but he did everything that he needed to do. Um, and it's, you know, the players did as well. I think it was known that, look, this is not 
a big Virginia team. They don't have the size that they've had even in the past down low. Like I mentioned, we were previewing the game with Jack Salt, uh, Jay Huff here more recently. Those were guys that had the size to be able to compete and, and give Carolina's big some trouble inside. They, they didn't have that today. And I think the, the goal from word go was to either get the ball inside or get a good enough shot up where you felt like you could get an offensive rebound and let these guys go to work. And they they capitalized that on that about as well as, as you could have. Um, they were never, you know, they did a, a tremendous job of taking care of the basketball against the Virginia team that, you know, has, has kind of forced them into, you know, a, a bunch of turnovers over the last couple of years, has made them extremely uncomfortable. Um, and it's usually been one of those games uh, that gives you the most fits when it comes to turnovers. And that wasn't the case today. So, um, yeah, I mean, they had 19 assists to nine turnovers. Getting back to a trend that we saw before the game against Notre Dame that was becoming a, a common theme of, of almost going two to one or doubling up two to one, the assist to turnover ratio. Mm. So uh, they did everything that they needed to do well in this game. And then on the offensive end, I mean, yeah, there were some open looks that they gave up, but – uh, they didn't switch as, anywhere near as much as they did the other night. That should never, ever be the game plan ever again. I better never see that game plan ever again, or I may uh, come on here and just scream for 30 straight minutes. And I mean one continuous scream. We'll see if I'll take a breath. Um, but, yeah, that, that was – that that was just a tremendous overall game plan against the team that, look, Hubert Davis has been here for these seven losses, so he knows this team's given them trouble. He knows the problems that this team has had against them. And he did all of that. Uh, he took all that and, and made the adjustments that he needed to in this game. So this is one where, look, there's been some moments where you can be critical of Hubert Davis and his staff and what they've done so far this year. And, you know, that's going to happen, you know, from time to time every season with every coach. But this is one of those games where you got to give him a lot of credit because coming in, this could have been uh, a, a game where things snowballed against a guy that, you know, has a, a much better track record than you, you know, so far. And that's just because look what he's done. He's won a national championship and he's been one of the most dominant coaches in the sport over the last five to, you know, 10 years. So tremendous job by him making the adjustments that he needed to. Another big thing about today's game, while Carolina was able to get the win, was they put the ball inside, as you mentioned. And look, that's been the game plan under Roy Williams for the last 18 years. And and there was results that, that proved that that was the way to play. But under Hubert Davis, Carolina wants to be more perimeter perimeter oriented and they've had some great results, but this team's getting back to the way that the the, the 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 way they need to play, the way this program's always played, and that's inside out. And when you got a guy like Armando Baycott who's playing at the level he's playing right now, it makes it easier. But the thing that really makes it more surprising today for Carolina was they did not fall in love with shooting the three because they were 11 of 25 from behind the arc. That's 44%. That's above their season average. There have been times in years past in in games this year where when they get hot from behind the three-point line, they get three-point happy, and it takes them out of what 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 allows them to get those shots, which is putting the ball inside. That's 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 not happening anymore. This team has learned and they're and they're getting better at when the ball 
ball is going to Armando Baycott first or Brady Manick secondly on the interior, and you're getting great shots, and even if you're missing those shots, you're getting offensive rebounds like you did today, they're getting great results. And I think that's a really big key for this team is to stay committed to playing inside out first because there aren't many bigs in this conference that are going to be able to, to control Armando Baycott. He's right up there as as if, if if not the best big man in the ACC. He's definitely a top two to three big man in the conference and he's going to get whatever he wants most nights. You're going to add Dawson Garcia back hopefully next week. Brady Manick has done a lot more for you on the block than I think any Tar Heel fan anticipated when he transferred in from Oklahoma. And that's going to be the biggest part of this offense moving forward. You can shoot the three ball well as 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 well as as, as you are right now. That's great. But you got to remember what's getting those looks is getting that ball inside first, drawing those double teams, and then kicking it out to, to you know two open shooters. And I thought that was a really good thing to see, especially considering Virginia's two point defense was as good as any teams in the country. They only allowed fourteen made two point baskets. You made seventeen of them today, and, and that's going to be a really big confidence for this team that they can put the ball inside, get great results, and still be the type of offensive team that they want to be. So this brings us to to really what does this team, what does this win mean for Carolina moving forward? And it's 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 a two-part answer. What it means is, as you showed us once again, like you've had a couple times this year, what you're capable of doing, what you're capable of being. You're capable of being a top-tier team in the conference, an upper echelon team in college basketball. The challenge is going to be for Hubert Davis, can they bottle this energy up and it be more consistent moving forward? Because, you know, as as, as I stressed in, after the, the, the loss to Notre Dame and even when we were – preview in this game you shouldn't have to coach effort but that's that's where we are right now for whatever reason this this team has to be coached to, to, to play hard the thing is this the result should be very easy for them to play hard because when they play hard they play very well and they win basketball games in a very convincing manner you look at arguably their three best wins this year Michigan at home at Georgia Tech and now at home against Virginia. These games weren't close in the second half because you played with energy, you played with effort, and you played with toughness. You've proven that when you play to the standard that is North Carolina basketball, you can be dominant. And in a wide-open ACC, there's no reason why if you don't play with that consistent level of energy, effort, and toughness for the remaining 17 conference games that you shouldn't be one of the top teams in this conference and move yourself up the seed line for the NCAA tournament. It kind of stinks that you got a week off because, as you said, now we'd be thinking all week of what this team can be because there's nothing more than I'd love for this team to play on Monday or play on Tuesday and see how they respond. But they... There's just no way moving forward that they cannot look at the results, the proofs in the pudding. When we play the way we're capable of playing, we're a really good basketball team, and we're capable of achieving all the goals that we set out for ourselves back in the preseason. Yeah, I mean, look, I love some proof pudding, no no doubt about it. And the thing is, is that, again, like I said on the last edition of the podcast, we have to – we have to look at what they did in this one and say, look, they're they're more than capable of being this. 
But we also have to know and, and adjust the expectations to know that, look, this is a team that, yeah, there are, you know, every time they take the court, be the team that we saw in this game against Virginia. This could be the team that we saw in the game against Boston College. Or this could be the team that we saw in the game against Notre Dame, in the game against Kentucky. You honestly have no idea what team is going to take the field. And that's – or take the court, excuse me. And that's why you, you've got to temper expectations. You cannot get to that point where you say, okay, we're looking at this team now and we think that they can compete for the ACC title. I mean, can, can they get to that point? Yes, but you need this team to be more consistent before you can allow yourself to get there. What this means, though, is that, look, this is these types of games against Virginia, against Louisville, against Miami, potentially Wake Forest, teams that are in this upper half of the ACC, you're comparing yourself against them. Future rival. That's one of those games where no matter – we hear it all the time. The cliché is always delivers, which it does. Throw out the records, which it should. All that stuff. Yeah, you know that game, a lot, you know, with the emotion of the rivalry, those are going to be really good games. Could you beat that team? Yes. Could you beat them twice? Yes. But right now, if you look at Carolina and Duke – is the team that looks like a national title contender. Carolina, as I said, has so many inconsistencies that it's hard to feel overly confident that they are anywhere near that level right now. But when it comes to that second tier in the ACC that we talked about in, in the recap of Notre Dame and in the preview of this game against Virginia, Carolina's you know, they, they could very well be the best team in that tier. So getting wins against this tier is going to help your tournament resume, as you were mentioning. And it's also going to give you a chance to position yourself to be that team that if Duke is to start to show some signs of struggles, which is possible, you never know. You don't know what's going to happen, injuries, um, COVID issues, all that kind of stuff. You just never really know. I think Carolina could be in position to get that done. But right now, they need to be that best team in that second tier. And this is a win that goes a long way towards doing that because even though this was not the same Virginia team coming into this game that we've seen over the past couple of years, as I mentioned, felt like they were sort of starting to get things together. And this is still a really good basketball team that Carolina knows lucky that they do not have to see again as of right now. Again, we never really know with the COVID stuff what's going to potentially happen. So who knows? If there are some games that end up getting postponed down the line, this could be one of those games that they end up trying to go back to and, and, and see again if, if the schedules line up. But as of right now, you don't have to play them again. So you've got this win. Now you've got to be able to sort of check off those other games on the schedule against those other teams in that second tier. That is going to wrap up this this edition 
of the Four Corners Podcast. Before we let you go, I'm going to get you to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Recap for the Virginia game was already up there. Go ahead and check that out. Carolina, right now, if, if they're all for the rest of the week, we will have some different articles coming out on the basketball side of things. But then again, we just never know with the ACC if they might rework Carolina's schedule to give them a game this week since they've already had one game postponed. As for the football side of things, Carolina's got a new defensive coordinator. Go ahead. That is That article is up on the website as well. Check that out. As Anthony has you updated on all the moves on and off the field for Carolina football as we enter the, the 2022 offseason. As for the podcast, you know where to find us. We're on the Basketball Podcast Network. We host through Megaphone, but you can find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts. You name it, the Four Corners Podcast is there. Go ahead and like the podcast, review the podcast, but make sure you hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any episodes this season of the Carolina basketball season. Well, that is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. I want to thank Anthony for joining me over the telephone. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.